Life is a mystery. We live it forward uncertain step by uncertain step, but we only really understand it when we look back. Then we see how God has been leading us up to crucial points that forever change what happens afterwards. Inflection points, turning points, whatever you want to call them. Sometimes when they happen, you, you get a sense that this is a momentous occasion. But even so, you only really understand it when you look backwards. It takes some perspective before we fully understand what God is, is doing in our lives. And you know, Last week you talked about grace and all the different ways we use the word grace. And I didn't get into all the ways that the church uses grace. And one of those ways is provenient grace. Provenient grace is, is what God is doing in our lives, maybe even before we come to faith, before we, we realize what God is doing. It's that grace that's out there in front. This grace, this loving work of God's Spirit is never apparent until we look back in faith. And then we say, oh, that's what you were doing, God. That was the plan. There's a country song that, by uh, Rascal Flatts, or at least they are the ones that made it famous. <clears throat> it's called Bless the Broken Road. And it begins, I set out on a narrow way many years ago, hoping I would find true love along the broken road. But I got lost a time or two, wiped my brow and kept pushing through. I couldn't see how every sign pointed straight to you. Then the chorus says, Every long lost dream led me to where you are. Others who broke my heart, they were like northern stars, pointing me on my way into your loving arms. This much I know is true, that God blessed the broken road that led me straight to you. Some singers have, have made it into a, a song addressed to God. This is much I know is true. God, you bless the broken road that led me straight to you. This summer we're going to look at somebody <clears throat> who knew well the broken roads of life, but who totally changed after an inflection point, after one of those events that we talked about. His name is is Peter, but we'll call him Pete for short. In June, we're going to look at Pete's life in the Gospels. In July, we're going to look at, at Pete's work in the book of Acts. And then in August, we're going to look at two of the letters that he wrote that are included in the Bible. But first, I want to talk about a different Pete. Not Peter the Apostle, but my Uncle Pete. My Uncle Pete was my dad's uh, bachelor brother, he taught school in Gallup, New Mexico. But when school was out, he would return to Minnesota for the summer vacation. My grandmother was a widow, and Pete would, would go back to the house he grew up in and spend the summers with her, which also meant he spent summers with us. Spent a lot of time with him. We would go down there for a week at a time, different times throughout the summer. Sometimes my parents would, would put me, even though I, I can't have been much bigger than this, would put me on a bus and send me down to Fairmont where my Uncle Pete would pick me up. And I can't even imagine doing that today. 
send a little elementary kid down on a bus. Bye. But, hey, I survived. <clears throat> we had great times with Uncle Pete. Sometimes Uncle Pete would come up and visit us when my parents were busy. He would act as the chauffeur and take me and my brothers around. It was a good time. We were blessed to spend summers with Uncle Pete. And I think you'll be blessed if you spend this summer with Pete, not my uncle, but, but the biblical Pete. And we'll start his story today, even though we're starting it in the middle. We're going to start it today with the story of Pentecost. Because that was really the crucial time for Peter. It's the birthday of the church, as we call it. The Holy Spirit descended with like flames of fire. And the apostles began speaking in other languages. And fire has been the symbol of the Holy Spirit ever since. And people on fire for God have changed the world. It also changed Peter's life. It was his inflection point, his turning point. Pentecost turned Peter into a bold, fearless evangelist for faith. <clears throat> We're going to read about that in just a few minutes, but before we get into that moment, I want to remind you of what he was up until he received the Holy Spirit. See, up until that time, he was a big mouth blowhard. He was a clueless coward. A man whose faith wasn't nearly as strong as he pretended it was. He was bouncing down the broken road with no clue to where he was headed. In other words, he was just like you and me sometimes. Do you remember the time he tried to walk on water? It's in the 14th chapter of Matthew. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified it's a ghost, they cried, cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, Take courage, it's I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walking on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they'd climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. What was Peter thinking? Of all the ways to test whether it was really Jesus and not just a ghost or some kind of vision, Peter says, call me out onto the water. I mean, he could have said, hey, Jesus, calm the storm. Jesus has done that. He can do it. He could have said, Jesus, turn this water into wine. He's done that before too. Can you imagine that whole Sea of Galilee? Just a big tub of wine. I'm surprised he didn't think of that one. 
Instead, he says, tell me to come out on the water and walk to you. And he gets out of the boat, and surprise, surprise, the waves are still crashing, the wind is still blowing, and Peter is scared out of his wits, and he begins to sink. And Jesus has to grab him, save him from drowning, and and he tells Peter, why did you doubt you who has so little faith? Peter talked the big game. He, he talked big talk, but he couldn't walk the walk. And that's just one example of Peter before Pentecost. Before Pentecost, Peter sinks when he tries to walk. When he tries to walk. Before Pentecost, Peter lies when he's called a friend of Jesus. Before Pentecost, he wants to keep Jesus on a booth on top of the mountain, instead of down ministering in the valley. Before Pentecost, he even tries to stop Jesus from going to the cross to save us. Something that only the devil would do. Before Pentecost, Peter's not that great saint and church leader we admire. He's like that crazy uncle of yours that you love dearly, but he keeps saying embarrassing things and getting himself in trouble. And you're not quite sure whether you want other people to know that you're related. Now, my Uncle Pete wasn't like that. Other than always keeping us waiting at Christmas, while he wrapped his presents after everybody is gathered under the Christmas tree. Other than that, I admired my Uncle Pete. Unlike my school, filled with kids of German and Scandinavian descent, his school was filled with Navajo kids. And he had Navajo turquoise and silver jewelry. He had a big, ancient Navajo clay pot. In my mind, Pete was like a character from out of the Wild West movies that I watched. Courageous pioneer school teacher, friend of the Indians. Uncle Pete wasn't anything like Peter. Except for one thing. There was a moment in both of their lives that changed everything. You might wonder how a small-town kid from Minnesota winds up teaching Native Americans in New Mexico. Well, that was because of another uncle, Uncle Sam. See, Pete, in World War II, was, was sent to New Mexico for an army station there. My dad was sent there too, and, and my aunt moved to New Mexico. And eventually, Pete then applied to teach there. I don't think there's any way that he would have thought of living in a place so different and so far away from southern Minnesota where he grew up. But after he was sent there, it changed the whole course of his life. And he spent the rest of his years there, except, of course, for summer vacations. Now, for Peter, it wasn't Uncle Sam, but the Holy Spirit that changed his life. Before Pentecost... Peter is one big screw-up, a clueless loser who never seems to get anything right. But all those events of walking on the water or sinking in the water and having Jesus save him, of denying Jesus, of being called a different name, we'll look at some of those things in, in the coming month, but they all were preparing him to receive the Holy Spirit. The story is found in the second chapter of Acts. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven 
and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews of every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they said to one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them, saying they've had too much wine. No, he didn't turn the Sea of Galilee into a big pool of wine. Peter stands up, and the eleven raised their voice and addressed the cloud. Fellow Jews and all of you who are in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people aren't drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter's a changed person. The coward is now boldly proclaiming Jesus. The one who sank now stands tall. The man who of little faith has been replaced by the man who would lead the faith. This one moment, this encounter with the Holy Spirit, is the pivotal event in Peter's life. Everything before was leading up to it, and everything afterwards flows from it. What moments like that have you had in your life? I don't mean necessarily Pentecost, but maybe it was a significant decision that forever altered your future. Like the decision I made over 40 years ago to stop dating a woman from Hastings and to start dating Tammy. My marriage, my children, my grandchildren, they all followed from that one pivotal decision. Or maybe it was something else, like a decision that somebody else made. Maybe you lost your job. And that is what caused you to seek a new career. And that career blessed you for the rest of your life. Or perhaps it was just something that happened to you. Maybe a chronic illness, an accident, a winning lottery ticket. Pivotal moments like this change everything. But none is so pivotal as an encounter with the Holy Spirit. That job loss might have caused you to change careers. And that health diagnosis may have changed your life expectancy. And that dating decision might have changed who you married. But nothing will change your life like the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit doesn't just come on Pentecost. It didn't just come 2,000 years ago. Nor does it just come on this Sunday. 
The Holy Spirit comes at times that we might not even expect. It may be in worship this morning. The Holy Spirit may touch your life. Or maybe it was at a, a UEC weekend. Maybe it's at a camp. Maybe a mission trip. Maybe you encounter God when, in a time of pain and illness. You know, there's been way too many people in this congregation going through pain and illness and suffering and grief. Seems like it all piles up at once sometimes. But maybe it's that moment when you are sinking down under the weight of all of that that you feel the Holy Spirit lifting you up, raising you above the waters. Maybe that's the time that you encounter the Holy Spirit fire. Or the the Holy Spirit may simply blow into your life at a time you don't expect it. Jesus says in in John 3, 8, that the Holy Spirit is like the wind and the wind blows where it wills. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going. And because of that, we can't control the Holy Spirit. It would be nice if we could just manufacture uh, an encounter with the Holy Spirit, but it doesn't work that way. We can't control the Holy Spirit, but we can ask for the Holy Spirit to be at work in our life. And not only for us as individuals, but for us as a church too, for our whole congregation. (coughs) You might remember that uh, just before uh, COVID hit, I'd ask you to pray a prayer at 320 every day, a Holy Spirit breakthrough prayer. And we even made up these, uh, these little cards And it asks God to to unleash new life in us, to break through all that would block us from accomplishing his purpose. We even said that we expect the unexpected. And boy, did we get that, didn't we? With COVID. Well, I want to encourage you to, for the next month, to to pray this prayer. Let this be a Holy Spirit month for you. Um, We've got new cards. My old card is so worn off, you can hardly read how well it is printed there. But on the... uh, uh, the welcome desk out there, we have more cards and you can pray for a Holy Spirit breakthrough. Ask the Holy Spirit to break through in ways that beyond we can even imagine. You know, when the Holy Spirit fire fell on Peter at Pentecost, that bumbling blow hard, that sinking rock suddenly stood tall for God and showed the world, what Jesus had done. And after he finished that, that statement there on Pentecost, here's what happened. It's also in the second chapter of Acts. When people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 souls saved by spending the morning with Peter. 3,000 souls who received the promise of new life in the Holy Spirit. And as he says, that promise it's for you too, for all who are far off. 
And so pray for God's Spirit today. Pray if you've never felt God's Spirit before, because this could be the turning point in your life. This could be that inflection point. And pray if you need a fresh anointing of the Spirit. This could be the day that that you look back and, and you see God's plan for your life. And pray if you've been weighed down and you need the Spirit to lift you up, to give you such a lightness that you feel you could walk on water. Before Pentecost, Peter was a mess. But one touch of the Holy Ghost fire and he was changed forever. And we can be too. And so let's pray for it to be so. In fact, let's pray this uh, Holy Spirit breakthrough prayer right now. I think we've got it up on the screen. Will you join with me in praying it? Holy Spirit, reveal your will for Resurrection Church and unleash new life. Break through all that would block us from accomplishing your purpose for us. We expect the unexpected because you are able to do far beyond what we could ask or imagine. Amen and amen.